Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. And I hope you've got a copy of God's Word with you right now. Uh, We're in Psalm 126, going through the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, And um, we're going to have to begin in a different place with this psalm. So if you've got your Bibles open, Psalm 126, put your finger there. Go back to your left, back to the book of Ezra. Uh, back to that real clean section of your Bible, back where nothing's marked. You may have to pull the pages apart there. But let me take you back to where I think this psalm um, gets its origin, uh, uh, origin. I think it originally comes out of the event that you're going to read in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. They're in Babylonian captivity. There are two great events that the Jews always look back to. One is their deliverance from Egypt. The second is their deliverance from Babylon. So Ezra records this and listen to what he says, chapter one, verse one. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now that's very critical to hear. Uh, Cyrus didn't do this on his own. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he's appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. That's interesting that this pagan king recognizes who God is, that he is the Lord, the God of heaven. and that it is God that gave him all the kingdoms of the earth. Well, he's going to issue a decree for Israel or for these Hebrews to go back to Jerusalem. They're gonna go back to Jerusalem. If you've got your Bibles, look over to chapter three of Ezra. When they get back, we read in verse one of chapter three that they gathered together as one man in Jerusalem. So they were all unified. They come back together there. And what they do is this, they begin to restore the temple. And as they begin to restore the temple, listen to what scripture says. They sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the Lord, uh, of the house of the Lord was laid. They lay the foundation, they go on and they rebuild the altar and they start offering sacrifices again, but they stop. They become far more interested now in building their own homes. They become far more interested in starting their own businesses, in commerce, in their own life, in their own social interaction. Uh, in their in their day-to-day buying and selling and living, they get far more interested in that. Now, in this whole thing of Israel coming back together, you've got Zerubbabel, who's the governor. Uh, you've got Joshua, who's the priest. You've got Ezra, who is a scribe, a priest as well. He takes care of the scripture. You're going to have Nehemiah come back and he's going to rebuild the walls. You're going to have a couple of prophets. Uh, Zechariah is one. Haggai is one. And God stirs up Haggai to go and speak to the people and to say to the people, 
This is what you're saying. The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while my house lies desolate? You have, you have sown much, but harvested little. You eat, but there's never enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. He who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. He says, everything you're making goes straight through your pocketbook. Now that's the setting. That's the setting for Psalm 126. And so look with me at the Psalm. This is Israel now going up to the city of Jerusalem and they're singing these Psalms of Ascent. And now they remember how God had brought them out of captivity. What a celebration. So verse one and verse two and verse three are all about the past. Now let me show you one or two things about these first couple of verses. Look at, look at the emotion that is described here. In verse two, we read uh, about laughter, shouts of joy. Verse three, we read about being glad. It's kind of interesting. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. Uh, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. But let me begin at verse one, back at the beginning. They're looking back now on how God had delivered them. Can you imagine today's day 14? We get out today um, and um, we have nowhere to go. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. It was a dream. When, when Cyrus came and said we could go back to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. Uh, we had dreamed about this, but we never thought that it would happen. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Now listen to this. Here's your main idea right here. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Here's the central concept of this Psalm is what God has done God can do. Now you're going to see that in the second part of this Psalm. What God has done, God can do. They remember with great celebration, with shouts of joy. When they got to Jerusalem, they were all unified. They laid the foundation of the temple. They went and they built the altar back and started offering sacrifices again. And there was this great celebration. There was this great joy that was among them. They were glad. They were happy. They were remembering back to a time where God did something with them. He restored them to the land. He restored the worship uh, that they had once experienced. This is going to be the third Sunday, this Sunday coming up, that we've not been together as a church. And I want to tell you something, congregation. I miss being the family of God. I miss it more than I can explain. And the Sunday that we get back, oh, what a celebration. At least I'm going to celebrate. It's going to be a great day of celebration. It'll be something our children, this is something our children will remember for the rest of their lives. Do you remember when we could not go to church? Do you remember when we could not gather to worship? Do you, do you remember what it was like? And they'll for the rest of their lives talk to their children about this time. 
And I want them to have a celebration when we get back together in church that they'll never forget, that they'll think about for the rest of their lives. And I don't want that celebrative spirit to ever go away. I want us to always remember when we get to come back together as a church, I want us to forever remember what it was like when we could not be together as God's people. Well, that's what they remember. Now look, verse four speaks about the present. Verse one said, the Lord restored, past tense. Verse four speaks about the presence. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. God, do this again. Bring back what, what we used to have. Bring back that spirit. Bring back that celebration. Bring back, bring back that, uh, that joy and that gladness of what it used to be like. Restore right now in our day. That's what I'm praying, is that God will so move that he will restore the ability for his church to come together. By the way, have you stopped to think this is the way most of the world worships, except here in the Western world, that most of the world can't gather together out of fear of persecution. Well, they pray, restore our fortunes, O Lord. And then they give a descriptor, like the streams and the Negev. The Negev is to the south. It's in the desert part of Israel. And uh, I've been there scores of times. You have these great wadis uh, that are dry riverbeds. The rain falls twice a year in Israel. You get the former and the latter rains. And uh, when it rains, it rains hard and it will rain up on those mountains and all that water will rush down those wadis. Uh, usually you see it into the sea of, uh, into the Dead Sea. And um, they become raging rivers at that time. That's what he's praying for. He's saying, God, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit on us so that it floods us the way the rains flood down in the Negev. Well, he comes in verse five and verse six and he prays for the future. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Now what he says is this. He says, if you want God's spirit to move, there are gonna have to be tears. There's gonna have to be something done. In fact, let me ask you something. Do you ever cry about anything? What, what do you cry about? What do you weep about? What do you have tears about? He's talking about the dryness of their spiritual condition in verse four. What about the dryness of your spiritual life? What about the dryness of the spirit of the church in our day? Does that make you weep? Does it make you weep when you share with people and there's obviously no sense of the Holy Spirit? Does that break your heart? Does 3,000 abortions a day make you weep? Does the condition of marriage and families and little children who are devastated when mom and dad separate and divorce, does that break your heart? What do you cry about? He says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He says, if you ever experience, want to experience this, this move of God, there's gotta be some weeping before God. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. You can't lean on a, on a shovel and pray for a hole. 
There's got to be some work done. The church has got to get back to the place of doing what God's called us to do. And that is going out and with our seed, sowing that seed and doing it in tears. You know, I think a lot about revival uh, these days. Over these last two weeks, I've thought an awful lot about what is God doing? I'm not so sure this isn't a preparation for revival in America, in the Western world, in the world. I almost wonder if this is not going to be a great move of God in the days preceding um, the second coming of Christ. Dare I say that? Uh, I almost wonder if this is not the prelude, if God is not priming the pump for a great move of his spirit around this world. It was um, in the 1850s, the late 1850s, people were leaving the church. Business was great. Things were roaring economically when all of a sudden in 1857, everything begins to fall apart in America. Uh, there is a stock market crash. People are losing their jobs. People are in long lines waiting to get food. People are desperate. People are afraid. And think of the date, 1857. And what's happening in 1857 politically is there's great tension in this country. Just like there's great tension in this country. It was a nation divided. I don't think we've been any more divided as a nation than we are right now, unless it was in 1857, 58, 59, leading up to those troops from the Citadel going out and firing on Fort Sumter on April the 12th, uh, 1861, the Civil War starts. But in 1857, there was deep tension, deep division in this country. And there was a, a church in New York City, the old Dutch church on Fulton Street uh, that had been losing members, just like church in our day, losing members. They hired a layman to come in by the name of Jeremiah Lanfear. Jeremiah Lanfear came in and he went out. He took tracts in his hands. He took Bibles in his hands. He just went out to the people on the streets. He went out into the neighborhoods. He went out into the slums. He went out into the depressed areas. And he went out to see the people and to share with them about Christ. And he really had reached the end of his wits when he just prayed, God, what do I do? What do I do? And he decided that on September the 23rd, on that day, at noon, that Wednesday, he would hold a prayer meeting. So he put up posters out. And on that day, six people showed up. But he did not get discouraged. The next Wednesday, he had 20 people that showed up. The third week, he had 40 people that showed up. And out of those noontime prayer meetings in New York City came the great prayer revival of 1857. A million people came to Christ out of that. It spread across the country. It went to major cities across the country where businesses began to shut down at noon and people went to places to pray. Not a preacher-led revival, a layman-led revival where laymen got together and prayed. They wouldn't let a preacher get up and preach. All they did was, you come in here and we're going straight into prayer. And out of that, 50,000 people a week, they recorded, were being saved. I wonder 
I wonder if what we're experiencing right now is not the stirrings of God pouring His Spirit out. What are we to do? We're to go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, and we'll come home shouting with joy, bringing our sheaves with us. That's another step up. That's an exciting step up in the Psalms of Ascent.